Hi, this is Steve Conover, executive producer of the Friends of Israel Today. And I'm Chris Katolka. 2018 is quickly approaching, and we're still closing the gap financially for 2017. And my friends, as you're planning your year-end gifts, would you prayerfully consider supporting the Friends of Israel today? Your gift would continue the work of making Christ known around the world and blessing Israel through this radio ministry. Visit foiradio.org, and there you'll find a donate link. Or you can mail your gift to P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Be sure to let us know where you're listening when you contact us. And thank you. Thank you for your prayers and continual support of our radio ministry. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. This Christmas week, we wrap up our series of messages from the archives answering the question, why Bethlehem? Yet yeah, Bethlehem is a city that the Christian community around the world reveres because it's the place of Jesus' birth. Micah 5.2 reveals to us that the prophet Micah saw more than just the location of Jesus' birth, but that Bethlehem points to something greater. It points to Jesus' royalty as the king of Israel, his divinity as the son of God, and his sacrifice as the lamb of God. Last week, we studied how Bethlehem points to Jesus' royalty and divinity. But this week, we're going to see how God revealed to the prophet Micah the specific location in Bethlehem where Jesus would be born and how that would affect his destiny. Also, the star over Bethlehem plays a pivotal role in the story of Jesus' birth. There's a lot of speculation around this star, and so today we're going to share the connection the star has with the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. You know, I really hope that in the midst of all the shopping and the party planning uh, that's in your annual Christmas routine, that you're able to stop and to really reflect on the joyous moment surrounding the birth of Christ. That you're able to stop for a moment and reflect on God's grace, you know, as he sent his son Jesus to us, Emmanuel, God with us. You know, I know that at the Katolka House, uh, while we're excited about giving gifts and getting gifts, I'm I'm not ashamed to say that I like Christmas shopping. I think it's fun uh, to buy gifts for my family. But we have to constantly remind ourselves uh, and the kids that we have to focus on the true reason for Christmas. And that is the coming of our Savior, the greatest gift that the Father could ever bestow on us. Now, last week, we started a series on Micah's prophecy that was, is found in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And, you know, Micah's prophecy vividly painted the place where Messiah, Jesus Christ, would be born. Uh, he painted the picture that Jesus would be born in the tiny city of Bethlehem. And if you remember from Micah 5, 2, it says this, But you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Now, last week we looked at how Bethlehem, though very small, was considered a royal city 
in the eyes of first century Jewish people that lived during the days of Jesus. And one of the reasons it was considered a royal city was because the place is significant because it's where King David was born. It's where he grew up and was chosen by God to be Israel's king. So even though Bethlehem was incredibly tiny on the map, it was really large and it was really big in its significance because it was the place where King David grew up. Now, we also looked at how Micah alludes to the idea that the Messiah, the king of Israel, would be more than just a mere man also. Micah says that the coming king would come from ancient of days or eternity past or everlasting. Essentially, Micah does an amazing job of summarizing the story of Jesus' birth in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, that he would literally be born in Bethlehem. But then at the same time, he's showing his deity, which the Apostle John wishes to illustrate in John chapter 1. Now, if you missed last week's message, you can just simply go to our radio and podcast archives on our homepage at foiradio.org. Today, I want to focus on one more thing that comes from Micah's prophecy of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. Christmas, you know, it's a joyous time to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus the Messiah. And his arrival marks a moment in human history when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14 The Holy God, think about this, the Holy God humbled himself and became human so that he could be present, that he could dwell with his creation. God's desire to be present with his people is found all throughout the scriptures. It's seen in Exodus 5.8, Exodus 40.35, 1 Kings 8.10, John 1.14, and Revelation 21.3. And really, if you think about it, it is the entire theme of the Bible that God is fighting to be with his creation, to, to reestablish that unhindered relationship between God and man. And and in essence, what God is really trying to do is return us to the Garden of Eden, where we could dwell with him and he could be with us. You know, we often marvel at Micah's specificity in naming the exact city Mary was to give birth. But, you know, it's hardly ever mentioned that Micah names the precise location around and within Bethlehem where Jesus was to be born. In an earlier chapter of Micah's prophecy in Micah chapter 4, verse 8, Micah prophesies exactly where within Bethlehem Christ would be born. Listen to this. It says this in Micah chapter 4, verse 8. And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. Even the former dominion shall come. Now, let me try to bring to life this amazing verse. The Tower of the Flock, or in Hebrew, Migdal Eder, which would have been located on the outskirts of Bethlehem. This Tower of the Flock is really an area within Bethlehem that's full of rugged hills where during the days of Jesus, shepherds would have been watching over their flocks of sheep. And remember in Luke chapter 2, Luke's account of Jesus' birth mentions this. It says, now there were in the same country shepherds 
living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Luke also notes that Jesus was laid in a manger, and a manger in Greek could be interpreted as a box where animals feed. You know, so Micah mentions that Jesus would have been born on the outskirts of Bethlehem in the area known as the Tower of the Flock. And so it was according to Luke that Jesus would be born in this area where shepherds were keeping their flocks. You know, you see all these pieces fitting together. So the account of Jesus's birth in Luke fits perfectly with Micah's prediction of a future king of Israel being born in the city of Bethlehem and specifically at the Tower of the Flock in Migdal Eder in Micah chapter 4, verse 8. Now, here's what's fascinating. The flocks of sheep that were being watched in Bethlehem that night when Jesus was born You know, these weren't your average sheep raised for domestic reasons, you know, for things like wool and things like meat. These sheep that surround Jesus at his birth, they weren't your regular sheep. These sheep had a different purpose. They were designated and set apart by Jewish law. These sheep were being watched and shepherded, think about this, folks, for temple sacrifice according to ancient Jewish law that's found in the Mishnah. These sheep that surround Jesus at his birth were set aside and had a destiny that defined them completely. They were purposed for sacrifice. And to just think for a moment that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was born in a field of sheep purposed for sacrifice seems to set in place the destiny of our Messiah, even at his birth. The events surrounding the birth of Jesus were no mistake. They were put in place by the Lord to show us who Jesus is and what his destiny was. The prophecies in Micah show us that Jesus was born in a small town, but this small town was full of royal history, making Jesus royalty, king. Connecting us also, Micah 5.2, with his distant human father, King David. And like King David, Jesus would become Israel's greatest king. So that's an amazing aspect of Micah 5 too. Jesus is also the word, according to John, the word that became flesh that we might fully know the father. And finally, Jesus's birth in Bethlehem reveals that he came to die so that we could experience the father's presence in our life today even more tangibly in the future. So this Christmas, as you gather with your families and your friends to celebrate the humble birth of our Messiah and King, friends, don't forget the reason Christ came. He came to give himself as a sacrifice to those who believe in him, that believe in his birth and in his life and in his death, burial, and his resurrection that we would have a reconciled life 
with the Father. And as a result, an abundant life, both today and when we see our risen Lord face to face. I want to encourage you this Christmas, as a family, gather together and stop for a moment. Open the scriptures and read the story of the birth of Christ from Luke 2. When we all stop together to remember the birth of Christ, you know what it does? Despite all the lights and festivities and presents, it centers us and draws us to worship our Savior. Merry Christmas, my friends. In Jeremiah chapter 33, we read, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Seven hundred years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah foretold, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Today on our short segment, I want to answer another question that came in a while ago, um, and I really wanted to wait for the Christmas season because it fits with this time of the year. And the question is this, what's the significance of the star that shined over Jesus as he was born in Bethlehem? Now listen, in Matthew chapter 2, Matthew gives us a clear picture of the star and the story surrounding the star that shone brightly over Jesus at his birth. And it says this, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, before we go any further in explaining about the star, I just want to say the star isn't the star of the story. You know, no pun intended here. But before we go on, we must remember something. The star is simply a cosmic compass placed by God to guide these wise men from the east to find Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Israel. 
So first, let's answer this to help bring to life the significance of the star. The wise men or magi that were coming from the east, somewhere like, you know, Babylon, which today is modern-day Iraq, or Persia, which is modern-day Iran, these wise men uh, actually focused their attention on astrology. They studied the cosmos. And bear in mind, these wise men were not Jewish. They were Gentiles. Now, in stories of Jewish history, you might remember from the Old Testament that Jewish people actually settled in areas of ancient Babylon and Persia. In fact, remember the whole story of Esther, that beautiful story, takes place in Persia when Esther marries the Persian king. Now, could it be that Jewish theology rubbed off on the Persian culture? Now, we don't have a definitive answer, but the sight of these wise men coming from the east at the birth of the Messiah, following a star, certainly makes it seem possible that that these wise men understood the Jewish prophecies of the coming Jewish king. Now, the star, which acted as, like I said, a cosmic compass for the wise men, actually has its roots in the Old Testament scriptures. In Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, an amazing section in the Old Testament. An amazing section because Balaam, a non-Jew, was hired by the king of Moab to curse Israel. He was hired, think about this, to curse them. But whenever Balaam would stand up to curse Israel, he couldn't help himself because of God's divine revelation on his life. He he couldn't help but speak blessings on them. And within his blessing of Israel, he actually prophesied this. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. Here, think about this. A Gentile is prophesying that out of Jacob will come a star, a leader, a ruler that will defeat all of Israel's enemies and rule them. Now, the amazing connection between Numbers 24 and Matthew 2 is that both of the the people participating in these stories are non-Jews who come with blessings. The star that came out of Jacob acted as a guide to bring non-Jewish wise men to worship the king of the Jewish people, the son of God, and remember what they brought with them. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were actually saying, this is the king, and they came with kingly presence for him. And that is the amazing connection that we see with the star in Bethlehem is is that it actually is a picture for me of the entire story of Israel and Israel's Messiah Jesus. You know, Israel was never meant and the story of the Messiah was never meant only for Israel. Israel's story and the coming of Jesus is the story of God welcoming all people. God welcoming all people to come and worship him. Israel, 
on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Svi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Svi. It is now the time of year when we Christians celebrate the Lord's birth. In Israel, people are also celebrating the Feast of Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights, I recently visited an ultra-Orthodox school and talked with some of the students about Christmas and Hanukkah. One student said Hanukkah is a very holy feast. I responded, Then why is it not mentioned in the Jewish scriptures, and yet Christmas is mentioned several times? Hanukkah only lasts for a few days, and then the light of the festival goes out for another year. But those of us who celebrate Christmas... We celebrate the coming of the Lord, in whom there is no more darkness and no more sorrow. The pupils listened carefully, but when I finished, one of them said, Show us where this one is written in the Bible. I told them, I will be glad to show you passages that speak of him, and then you must show me where the Bible speaks of Hanukkah. And they agreed. I then read Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. They thought they had trapped me, since this passage did not mention Bethlehem. But then I read Micah 5, too, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. This made them uncomfortable. I told them, now show me where the Bible speaks of Hanukkah. This put them in an unpleasant position because they knew there was no reference to Hanukkah in the scripture. One said, you act as if you own this synagogue. I responded, if you call this a house of prayer, then it should be a place where all people can come to worship their Heavenly Father. Soon a teacher entered, and one of the students told him what was happening, and the teacher became angry with the students. He then asked, Who are you? Are you a teacher? No, I replied. But if I were, I would want to be considered an honest teacher. You and your colleagues are not being honest with your students. Many of these students have spent most of their lives here studying under your tutelage, but they do not worship God. Rather, they worship books of tradition and the false teachers who wrote them. As one who believes in the true and living God, I must show them and you the right way to worship God according to the Bible. The teacher then asked, How did you come to speak about Christ? Do you know who he is? I replied, I say Christ, but you say in Hebrew, Messiah. If you like, we can continue in the Hebrew language only. Then we can speak freely about Yeshua, 
Jesus, salvation. The teacher was visibly shaken and excused himself, saying he had no more time to talk with me. I was sad the student and teacher are still living in deep darkness. I pray I will have further opportunities to speak with them. Then perhaps some year they too will be able to sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. To support the Friends of Israel Today radio program with a year-end gift, visit foiradio.org. Join us next week as we talk about the United States Embassy move to Jerusalem. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallion, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg, Red Apples of Gold. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer, wishing you a happy new year from all of us at the Friends of Israel. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. 